ready for true happiness, for deep fulfillment, for feeling alive, on purpose, and in control of your life again, it's time to be the bold, brilliant, beautiful woman you were born to be. Welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. I'm women's happiness and life purpose expert, Karen Rockhunt, and I'm going to teach you how to live on purpose, feel alive, and be happy in every aspect of life. I'm going to get real about my life and interview women who are living on purpose so that you can finally live yours. Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 Purpose Girls. So this week, a coaching client came to me that she was so stressed about her work because her team was fighting with each other. They were not succeeding. They were missing really small details. Everybody was complaining, and it was just putting her over the edge. Also this week, a human resources manager called me that there are so many changes happening in their company. They had done a merger recently, and people were so stressed. As she and I really were talking, people were afraid. But people were so stressed and a lot of productivity seemed to stop and she didn't know what to do about it. Another client had contacted me and said, everybody's so negative at work. What do I do? This really seemed to be a big week of people calling me about their teams, about their organizations, what's happening within the group and within the company. And so today's episode of the Purpose Girl podcast is all about how do we thrive at work? How do we truly bring these tools that we talk about, we learn, we study in the Purpose Girl podcast, how do we bring happiness? How do we bring thriving? How do we bring success to work? I'm going to go through several real client company examples, companies that I've worked with. I'm going to give you purpose power tools that you can bring back to your team, whether you manage that team or you're within the team, or you could bring to your human resources manager in order to start making shifts. But first, of course... I want to get to our sponsor and get to our quote of the week. First, this episode of the Purpose Girl podcast is brought to you by Happiness Habits, the course that gets you out of a rut and teaches you how to make happiness a habit so that you say goodbye to rut and say hello to happiness and joy. Happiness Habits is the e-course where you learn in your own time, your own pace, sitting on your couch 10 happiness habits specifically for women's happiness. You are going to learn how to reignite hope, how to use hope to achieve your dreams and desires, how to shift into positivity, how to become the happiest woman you know, all about what brings you pleasure and joy. You're going to identify your real desires and what brings you actual joy. You're going to learn how to shift your mindset, know what your strengths are, finally have self-love, real self-love, and learn how to celebrate yourself. You're going to learn how to put boundaries around relationships that don't serve you and impact and increase your healthy relationships, how to pursue your dreams, and so much more. In Happiness Habits, you get 10 videos of instruction coaching from me. You get 10 workbooks that give you the tools and teach you how to incorporate these habits every single day in your life. It's more than 100 minutes of guidance and coaching from me, plus an intro video and workbook to get you started. Diana in Germany says that the powerful exercises are crazy illuminating. She calls the course transformative. She says that from this course on day two, she actually feels some real excitement that she has actual tools to use them. She has true, honest hope, excitement, and the belief about her life. She says, if you aren't taking this course, why? (laughs) All caps, question mark, exclamation point. You can get happiness habits at purposegirl.com forward slash habits, purposegirl.com forward slash habits. 
And now, of course, I want to read our review of the week. This review is coming to us from Jeanette in Canada. Five-star review. She says, still discovering myself over 50. I found this podcast on the weekend after a difficult day. I have listened to two episodes and so much of what Karen talks about resonates with me. I will continue to listen and work my way to learning who I am and what I can become. Thank you, Karen. Oh, Jeanette, it is my pleasure and honor. And we are on this road together. So I'm so happy that you found the Purpose Girl podcast. And I'm so honored that you left a review for every other woman around the world who is experiencing what you are. And we all experience that. We all need that cheerleader in our lives. We all need that person to coach us and show us how to become the woman we were born to become. Your review, Jeanette, is helping women all over the world know that the Purpose Girl podcast is the answer for them. So my dear friends, my Purpose Girls, if you have not yet left your review, please pause this episode for just one minute, 60 seconds. Head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and leave your five-star review. It literally just takes one minute. Your reviews are what is making Purpose Girl Podcast available, accessible, and known to women all over the world. In fact, this week, the Purpose Girl Podcast was number two in mental health in Slovenia. So to all of my Slovenian women, I say hello, and I love you, and thank you for listening. And now back to our show. So as many of you know, if you've listened to the first or second episode, you know that I left my corporate career, which was great. It was fun. It was interesting, but always felt a little bit like, ooh, there's something else I'm supposed to do. And of course, this, empowering people, helping people know their purpose, living to their potential, really spreading optimism, teaching it was what I was meant to do. And I left my corporate job in order to go back and get my graduate degree in positive psychology, the science of happiness and human flourishing and thriving and success. And as soon as graduate school was over, I was going to start my business. The thing is that I was out of money and I needed some way to bring in some cash in order to live, right? I had just moved to New York City. My 200 square foot apartment was $2,000 a month and I needed a way to live. So I decided to get a job. I decided to go back into the corporate world for a little bit. And I was super blessed that a friend of mine was working at a digital firm in New York City that was growing huge. I mean, over three years, they had had more than 100% year-over-year growth, and they wanted a trainer to come in, a sales trainer who was going to really work with the salespeople and pump them up and teach them skills and tools. Now, I am not a sales trainer. Let's be clear about this. But I shared with them, hey, I'm not going to teach negotiation or those kinds of things, but what I will teach is teamwork. I will teach optimism. I will teach resilient thinking. I will teach how to actually bring your strengths to work, how to work as a team, how to rise above any challenge, how to hear a no from a sales client and actually shift it. I will teach you how to use your mind to become the best salesperson on the entire earth. And so I started working there. And about three weeks in, they fired the head of sales. Now, I'm telling you, this man was beloved. All over the world, salespeople from Australia to LA to San Francisco to Chicago were devastated. The thing is that the numbers had come out, and for the first year in three years, they didn't have 100% year over year growth. They had like 50% or 75%. And the company decided that the head of sales had to go. What ensued was that the entire global sales team went into a panic. Because if you see your beloved leader who created year over year 100% growth, 
the leader who brought you on, who has nurtured you and nourished you and supported you, the leader that you look up to, all of a sudden, gone in one day? Of course, they started freaking out. They all started to look at their own chair and say, am I next? Am I going to leave? Are they going to fire me? Who is next? And sure enough, a lot of firing started to happen. Now, this is not a judgment call on the company because they were doing all that they knew how to do. But all of a sudden, while I was hired for this sales training and working with the teams, one by one, salespeople started coming into my office as a coach, closing the door. What do I do? I'm panicked. I feel like I can't even like do my best right now because I'm so scared. What's happening here? There's no communication. Should I stay? Should I go? Am I next? And there was like an onset of panic. And no matter where you work or you have worked, maybe you've experienced this yourself. And it doesn't even have to be within a company. It could be within a family. When something happens to one family member, everyone else can start having a little bit of panic about their own lives and about the family falling apart or about the structure. When something happens within a system, it affects the rest of the system, understandably. And as humans, our brains are more wired to the negative. Our early ancestors developed worrying as a benefit. Think about it. Worrying helps to make sure that you survive. Because if you're worried that you won't have a job, then you start putting your resume together. You start looking on LinkedIn. You start applying to other places. You start having informational coffees. If you're worried that the company is going to go under, you do the same. And our early ancestors needed worry because they had to constantly be worried about survival. Are there predators in this land? Can I eat those berries? No, they're going to be bad for us. Is there war coming? So worry actually came to us as an advantage. And there is some advantage because it does help us to some degree. But then what happens is our brains become so negative. We go so much into worry that rather than using it as a strategy, we go into a downfall of anxiety, a downfall of panic, a downfall that actually cuts off our higher level thinking, right? Has this ever happened to you where you've gotten so caught up into worrying about something, whether it was worrying about a test result that was going to come back from the doctor, worrying about something at work and was your job going to be there the next day or were changes going to be made that were not going to be good for you or your family, worrying that actually prohibited you from taking any action forward that actually prohibited you from being your best. I see this all the time in the corporate companies that I work with. So I went to management at this company and I said, I want to put together a training that supports each and every salesperson in really learning how to work with their mind, in learning how to shift worry thoughts into what's next thoughts, right? Because you can be worried, but if you allow that to put you into a downward spiral where you don't take any action, you allow that to really hold you back, then it's no good. You're not using worry as a tool. So I said, I want to teach these salespeople how to work with their mindset around the worry and the panic. I also want to teach them how to rise above by using their strengths and creating a plan of action that is based on their purpose. And then I want to bring them together as teams. I want to go into the team in London. I want to go into the team in San Francisco. I want to go into the team in Australia. And I want them to come together and share their own strengths, the strengths that they see in each other, and collectively come up with what their collective goals are, their collective vision for their team, how each one of them is going to bring their best to the table in order to move forward. And they said, go. 
The next thing you know, I am creating this training and I am delivering it all over the world. And wow, was it powerful. I worked with a group in Canada where a salesperson who had identified his strengths of being charismatic, of being a visionary, of being someone who's always looking for the best, finally had a conversation with his sales assistant who had the complete opposite strengths. Her strengths were all about being detail-oriented, all about relationships, all about including people in decisions. And they would butt heads all the time. And finally, with this training, rather than each of them complaining to everyone else on the team about each other, I taught them how to have a real conversation about how to use their strengths to work together. And both of them were in tears, hugging by the end of the training. I worked with the group in Chicago and we set a vision. Who are we as the Chicago sales team? What is it that we are all about? How are we going to excel and exceed? And then they each, as if they were each a piece of the puzzle, put their own strengths onto the piece of the puzzle and came together and said, this is our collective. This is our plan. It was so powerful to do this all over the world. And people started to feel like, yes, I can stay here. I can do this work. And the same thing happened with me. I realized, yeah, I can actually do this work with other companies. I'd saved enough money. I'd started my Purpose Girl Coaching business, and I decided I was going to leave that company and start doing this work full time. And when I left, the company actually kept me on in order to do some more coaching with the salespeople and some more group work. And then I started letting companies know all over the world, this is what I can do for you. And it's been tremendous because we spend the majority of waking hours at work, right? I'm not telling you anything you don't know. And it's pretty cliche to say you spend the majority of time at work, so you should be happy. Well, that's nice. But how do you do that? How do you do that when there's so much constant change? Your head feels like a wobble and you don't even know what's happening. How do you do that when there's negativity rampant and it threatens to bring you down? How do you do that when you want to succeed and be promoted and you can't see the path ahead? That's where positive psychology comes in. That's where I love going in and working with a company. So I want you to pause for a moment and I want you to think about your work. Now, whether that is work out of the home in a company, you're an entrepreneur, or it's work in the home with your family. And I want you to get honest with yourself for a minute, right? I'm not there. No one's there. No one's listening to you. How engaged are you in your work? Like, really How present are you when you're doing it? How happy are you there? Here's what we know from Gallup, arguably the largest business researcher in the entire world. 70% of employees are disengaged in work. Disengaged. Meaning that while they're at work, they're thinking about something else. Meaning that While they're at work, they're planning out what they want to do next. They're not feeling very into the team meeting, so their brain is totally wandering, meaning that they kind of want to have one foot out the door or the work is just fine, it's okay, but they're not really bringing their total full self and energy and excitement to work. And I'm curious where you fall into that. When I look back at my own career, I know that I was in that 70% a lot, not all the time, When we were at a trade show, oh my God, I was like so engaged. There was nothing I loved more than being at a trade show booth, 
It didn't matter if I was selling wheels to truckers or I was selling the city of Cleveland to potential investors. I loved being at a trade show booth and bringing people in, engaging with them. I mean, it makes sense, right? It's my personality. But a lot of the rest of the time, I wasn't so engaged. I was thinking about what's my purpose? Why am I really here? Is this really what I want to do? What do I really want to do? A lot of the time I would be thinking about why did the management do that? That was a stupid decision. What are they going to do? Some of the time I would just head off onto Facebook or, you know, find a place to think by myself. Like I just wasn't always into it. And that's of course normal. But 70% of workers are not engaged at work. And so think about this for yourself. And then I want you to ask yourself, why? What is it about your work environment? Or what is it about you that is leading you to be disengaged? A huge Fortune 500 company contacted me that they had gone through a merger. And just like the digital firm that I mentioned, people were in a little bit of a panic. They were disengaged at work. They weren't really focused. They were more afraid. How is this going to affect my job? Will I have a job tomorrow? What does this mean for my benefits? What does this mean for my team? And so people were understandably more engaged in their fear than they were in the actual work. And so as I started to interview people at the company, and I would interview employees at every level, whether it was customer service representatives on the phone, it was people in their marketing or accounting departments, or it was leaders. And I asked them to share with me honestly what was going on and honestly what their fears were. What I discovered is that people were afraid of change. And so let me ask you this question, true or false, change is hard. Most people say it's true. And there are plenty of times in my life when I have thought that that is true. But what I have learned in working with so many companies, in teaching positive psychology, in doing this work with all of you is that it's not that change is hard. It's that change feels hard. And the reason that I know that change is not hard is because we actually are going through changes every minute of every day, right? If you live in a four-season climate like I do, then we experience change every few months and we're fine. We deal with it. We deal with roads that are icy or we deal with becoming cold or we deal with changing our entire wardrobe. We deal with it. We have figured out how do I work with this change and we do it. In fact, we change every day depending on which study you look at, some say that all of our cells completely regenerate every seven or 11 years. Now, regardless of which study is true and which number it is, is it seven years or 11 years? The fact is that our body is making changes all the time. So it's that change can feel uncomfortable, but in many ways, change is also exciting. So think about when you fall in love. Well, now you're making changes to your schedule. Now you're making changes to where you spend your time and how. Now you're making changes to thinking about maybe a different future. Or think about changes when you are having a baby. Yeah, there's a lot that's hard about that. A lot. And there's also a lot that's wonderful and exciting. And so a lot of companies talk about change management. And I actually do not like that language at all because all that means is that you are kind of managing things at a lower level as if you're like putting out fires and just trying to make sure that everything is okay. You're managing it on a day-to-day. That is not what's needed. What I said to this Fortune 500 company is instead of change management, which is what they wanted me to come in and do a keynote talk on at their big management conference of 500 managers, I said, I want to talk about change leadership. And change leadership is being a person 
who influences others to think of that change positively. Change leaders don't have to be the CEO or the mom or the dad in the household. Everybody can be a change leader. John Stuart Mill said that leadership is influence and nothing more and nothing less. So they love the idea. And I gave this talk to 500 managers. And then I did a breakout session and really went into this in even more detail. So I got to spend several hours with these managers. And here's what we talked about. Change leadership involves several things. One, what is your mindset around change? Do you see change as difficult? Do you see change as going to hurt you? Do you see change as bad? Do you see change as hard? And instead, what I worked on is this question. How else can you see change? What else might be possible? And I got to teach these managers that what you think actually leads to your behavior. Because if you think change is hard, change is going to take away my job, then you feel scared. And then we know from fear, what does fear make us do? Fight or flee or freeze. But it does not make us rise to the occasion of being our best. It does not help us to help others be their best. So if we just change the thought about what change is, then we can change the behaviors that come after them. So I taught them about the Kubler-Ross grief scale and that there is an appropriate moment of feeling afraid and feeling scared about change. And then how to work with their mindset and how to actually come up with what else might be true and what else might be great about their merger and about all the changes happening at their company. We then went into what are their specific strengths? What is best about them as a leader? So what is it that they come to bear so that they can bring that back to their team? And not every leader is the same. People don't have all the same strengths. So then we talked about positive communication and what does it look like to actively, proactively engage people in communicating effectively, in ensuring that people feel trust, they feel hope, they feel heard, and they feel connected. It was so powerful that I got emails for a couple of weeks afterwards about people who brought this back to their team and were able to not only be a change leader within their own team, but were able to teach the people in their groups how to be change leaders instead. Similarly, last year I worked with another Fortune 500 company that had gotten a new leader and he was dynamic. And what ended up happening is they ended up having more mergers. And so now their managers were equipped with the tools to be able to work with their employees on how to really show up and be a leader in this change, how to see it as a positive, how to shift and be different around it. Similarly, another Fortune 500 company called me and they have many different brands, very well-known brands. And one of the brands had a new CEO and he was dynamic and charismatic and he had huge vision, huge ability to see big goals and he wanted everyone on board with his goals. He was huge into optimism and he wanted this team that he had acquired to really like rise up with optimism. And so I worked with them in a half day. And what we were able to do is first and foremost is come together as teams. And I did this like super fun team building exercise where teams were at each table and they created something around vision, what their vision was and what big idea meant to them. And it just kind of sparked off everybody thinking in this big idea way. And then we started to get into what is the higher purpose of this big vision? Right. So this CEO, he had huge vision for sales numbers. He had huge vision for where he wanted it to go. But we had to ground it. People weren't connected to the vision because it was his and not theirs. 
And so what we needed to do is to actually ignite purpose in each person on the team so that they felt personally connected to the goal, to the vision. I actually shared with them a personal experience with this company. And one of the experiences is that one of my friends was going through cancer and she was sick and feeling so less than beautiful, so less than beautiful. And so we actually went shopping at this brand. It had nothing to do with this company hiring me. It had been a year or two before that. And as she put on this brand's clothing, she felt beautiful. She got to have a moment of feeling beautiful. So sharing my personal story with this company, some of the people had tears in their eyes because they realized they're doing something larger than just selling items, doing something larger than just selling things. They're actually helping women feel more beautiful. And so then as a group, we looked at what is the larger purpose? So we went beyond the sales goal. What is the vision for how every single customer who comes in contact with your store, what do you want them feeling? What do you want them experiencing? What do you want them saying to their friends, to others? How do you want them feeling in your store? We talked about employees. How do you want your employees feeling? What do you want them saying about your organization? What do you want them saying about work? Right, Because we know the 70% disengaged. So wouldn't we instead want to set a vision and a purpose for how the employees could feel at work and that they would be people who are actually engaged and loving work? So we set aside many different categories. Even what is the community? What do you want the communities in which your stores are? What do you want them feeling? So we take it to a higher level. We take it beyond numbers, beyond just dollars and cents, and we bring it into the heart and into the soul. Why? Because what we know from the research is that purpose makes people feel more connected. Purpose helps people be more committed to their goals. Purpose helps people to be more satisfied. And what I'm telling you is that during that session, People were crying as they envisioned the feelings that they wanted people to have when interacting with their brand, as they envisioned how customers were going to experience them, bringing it to the actual real woman who shops there. Then what we did is had people work with the person next to them and share, what are the strengths I see in you that will allow us to get to that vision? So we did this beautiful work around strength spotting, around supporting one another. Again, people were crying because it's not the norm to share that kind of feedback with our coworkers. It should be. It's effective. It works. It makes people love their job. It makes people more connected to the goal. But unfortunately, it's not yet quote unquote normal or habitual to say to your colleague, I really see you and I respect you and I admire you and here's why. Now, can you imagine what would happen within a team if that happened on a daily basis? Can you imagine how uplifted people would be? Wouldn't you love to go to work where people were complimenting you every week and sharing what they see in you and the potential and how you actually make change? This is why with another company, I implemented a strengths and gratitude system. Gratitude might seem frivolous. 
someone helps us and we shoot off a thanks email or a THX text. I know I've done it, so I'm not, you know, judging anyone out there. But can you imagine if instead we actually took 30 seconds and thought, what is it that the person did that was so helpful? What is it that the person did that was so helpful? What strengths do we see in them? What gifts, what talents, what was it about that person? And then share that with them. It literally will only take 30 seconds. Or with another company, I implemented a whole gratitude board where every time someone did something, you would write it on a sticky note and it could be anonymous. But just thanks, Joe, for doing X or Susie, I noticed you do Y. And can you imagine walking by and seeing your own name? There is a part of every single one of us that wants to be acknowledged, that wants to be validated. And rather than say you shouldn't need validation, screw that. We need it. We want it. It helps us. It helps us rise. It helps us achieve. So let's implement it. Let's implement it in our families. Let's implement it in our teams at work. Let's implement it in systems. It's gold and it's easy. Another team I worked with let me sit on on some meetings to see kind of how the dynamic was. What I noticed is that they started each meeting by just diving right into the agenda. All right, what's going on? What are we doing? The looks on everyone's faces every Monday morning, it was like they were still half asleep, totally not paying attention, totally only paying attention when their name was called, not listening when everyone else was sharing their reports because it was boring, because it wasn't using anything we know about psychology, because it wasn't doing anything to inspire people to be engaged and active. So I suggested one simple shift to the manager. I said, start every team meeting with a win. And everyone goes around and shares one good thing that happened in the week before. And it could be something good that they did personally. It could be something they did professionally. It could be something that someone else on the team did. Now, I'm telling you, for the first couple of weeks, it was awkward. People didn't really know what to do. They kind of looked around. What is going on here? But a couple of people were into it. It was almost like a couple of people were like waiting for the opportunity to share. And then as it went on, they all came with something. And what they all said was even when it was awkward, it was good. It was positive. It was engaging. It was the part of the team meeting that was the best. It actually got them focused. Why? Because what we know about positivity is that when you experience a positive emotion, like gratitude or joy or inspiration, your frontal lobe, your prefrontal cortex lights up literally ignites. That's the part of your brain that's active when you're in a positive emotion. As opposed to when you're in a negative emotion, like stress, like fear, that ignites your reptilian brain. The reptilian brain is the fight, flight, freeze brain. It's the panic brain. It's the stress brain. And in that brain, you don't have any higher level thinking. In that brain, you do not have access to higher level creativity. But when you ignite the positive brain, you ignite that frontal lobe, What we know in brain scans and from the research is that that ignites creativity. That ignites trust. That helps people build relationships with something as simple as starting with wins. It's a way to juice up the meeting and get people actually connected. Almost think of it like getting an oil change on your car, right? We've got to keep the engine full of good, healthy oil. So we oil up the car and your car is going to run better. It's that simple. 
So I go in and I do keynote speeches, workshops, consulting projects with companies like Progressive Insurance, Capital One, Victoria's Secret, BMW, and the list goes on. And what I find is that many companies are now starting to do a lot of wellness programs, but those wellness programs are focused on physical wellness only. Yeah, we want to get people moving their bodies. We want to get people eating well and doing yoga. But what about mental well-being? What about emotional well-being? What about thriving? I also find that a lot of companies now are starting to talk about the quote-unquote soft skills like emotional intelligence, communication, compassion, vulnerability, and I am so loving it. The only thing is I would say that these are not soft skills. Like what is soft about that? It is actually what we know most engages people, most uplifts people, most makes people want to be their best. I would say the other skills are kind of easier, right? Yeah, find someone who has the tech talent or background or education. Find the person who has the specific skill or talent in customer service and dealing with challenging customers. Absolutely. But what's going to make that employee love working with you, what's going to make them bring their best, be actively engaged are these quote-unquote soft skills. What's going to make the company actually thrive is positive psychology. And this is why I've started to bring the six tenets of well-being as a tool for companies to use. Now, we know that there are six proven pathways to well-being. This is from Dr. Martin Seligman, who is the founder of Positive Psychology. And a while ago on the Purpose Girl podcast, I did a series of these six. But to remind you, the six are positivity, engagement, relationships, meaning and purpose, achievement, and vitality. Now, the acronym for that is PERMA-V, PERMA-V. And an opportunity is for every company to look at PERMA-V as a wheel and imagine that there were six slices on that wheel and to look at each pie piece, right? The positivity is one pie piece, engagement is one piece, relationship is one piece, et cetera. And to say on a scale of zero to 10, how are we doing in this? How well would we rate ourselves? On positivity, are we rocking it out and we are a company that has the gratitude wall and we are a company that honors each other's strengths and we are a company that really knows how to do mindset and we teach this to employees so that employees have that kind of growth mindset, even in stress, even in failure, even with rejection? Are we teaching people that failure is good as long as you learn from it? So are we at a two or are we at a 10? And then you can do this with each one. What about engagement? And a lot of companies do engagement surveys, but then don't quite know what do we do about the engagement? Well, this is what you do, right? This is where strengths actually comes in. And you ensure that every single employee knows what their strengths are and that their teammates knows what their strengths are and that you have an active system of helping that person bring their strengths to work every single day, that this is part of your performance evaluation. You also incorporate things like mindfulness. Because there's going to be stress. Change is constant now in every organization, every team, every family. That's what it is. We're constantly changing. So teaching mindfulness and how to be able to come back to this moment. Relationships, teaching team building, teaching people how to have effective communication. I mean, this is majorly missing throughout our whole lives. So of course, we get into companies, we get into work, and we don't know how to communicate. Because I don't know about you, but communication wasn't taught to me when I was in third grade or 10th grade. In fact, my college degree was in communication and had nothing to do with these communication skills that I'm talking about because that communication was advertising, marketing. But the communication I'm talking about is 
how do we have difficult conversation? How do we have difficult conversation in a way that I'm not putting you down, but I'm building each other up? How do I listen? In fact, we know from the research that there are different tenets of what helps people want to be part of a team. And so we can implement those. We can teach those skills. We can use fun activities to bring that about. Meaning and purpose. What Deloitte has found is that the majority of us want meaning in our work, especially any of you who are millennials. Does that resonate for you? And I say it's really every generation. Right? It used to be just achieve and achieve and then you'll quote unquote be happy. But how many of you have achieved a lot? A new coaching client of mine who started with me in Purpose Girl Coaching this week said she has checked the boxes. She's 29. She's checked those boxes, achieved, made the money, but still something's missing. Well, what's missing is meaning and purpose. And so we could all leave our jobs and go find something else. Or if you're within a company, if you're within a human resources department, if you are a manager, your biggest priority should be, how do I support people in finding this work more meaningful, more purposeful? How do I help them identify their purpose and how they could actually do that, bring that where I am? Or I could support it that they can do it on the side so that they still want to come to work and they want to do it on the side and they're happy. Because what we know from the research is that happy employees are more engaged. Happy employees are more productive. Happy employees get better performance evaluations. Happy employees get better peer evaluations. Happy employees get promoted more. Do you know that happier employees sell more? A study was done assessing people's happiness and optimism because happier people are more optimistic and happier people sell 37% more. Why? One, we like buying from people we like. (laughs) So when someone's happy, we like buying from them. Josh and I were at a farmer's market last weekend and we were wearing our University of Michigan gear and we started talking to one of the vendors and she was wearing her University of Michigan gear and she was so delightful and we had such a great conversation and we really didn't want to buy anything from her. She had a bakery and I'm mostly gluten-free and didn't want more dessert in the house. But I ended up buying a brownie. I had to. I liked her. I had to. You know what that's like. It's why we like buying from little kids, right? Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts because we like buying from people we like. So that's one reason why happier people sell 37% more. Another reason why happier people sell more is that they're optimistic. They don't let rejection or failure take them down into the downward slump. They dust themselves off. They learn from it. They have a growth mindset and say, okay, what could I do differently next time? What else could I do? They understand rationally, all right, I need to do 15 calls in order to get one sale. And they keep going. And so these quote-unquote soft skills, this perma-V I'm talking about, are actually the hardest results that you will get, the best results that you will get. And we need to start thinking of this stuff differently. The next is achievement. Well, every company I know wants every single one of their employees to achieve all their goals, right? But are we teaching them how? Because there was nothing in school that really taught us how to achieve. I mean, we did our best to learn how to get all A's or how to achieve in a particular club. But what about using actual researched science on goal achievement? And then the last is vitality. And I do find companies are doing a lot better in vitality now. Vitality is physical health. A lot more emphasis on physical well-being and eating programs and great things like that. I did a series of talks at a company in Ohio this summer, and they had hired a health coach. And I was so impressed. They had a health coach working with people. It was incredible. So I do find that companies are doing a lot more innovative work empowering 
purposeful work in vitality. The question is for you to consider your own team or your own family, right? It doesn't have to be a work team, but your own family, your own work team, your own company, and honestly assess yourself. How are you doing in these categories? Now, if you feel like you have no influence, you're not a boss, you're not a leader. Okay, Karen, we're at like a two on each of these aspects of PermaV, but what can I do about it? I'm just a lowly person down the funnel. Uh-uh, that attitude is never going to get you what you want. Why go there every day if you feel like you have no influence? Then find somewhere that will honor your opinion, that will hear you, that will at least listen. Find somewhere that values you more. You are never stuck. You are never stuck. Now, if you say to me, no, I need the money. Yeah, we live in a society where we have to make money. That is 100% true. In order to live with a roof over your head and put food on the table, we have to make money. That is true. What is not true is that you have to work there in order to make that money. In fact, this is a mindset trick that I teach a lot of employees at a lot of these workshops that I do. Instead of saying, I have to go to work, like how many of you, your alarm goes off every morning, like, oh, I have to go to work. Well, how is that starting your day? How is that impacting you the rest of the day? You're starting off from a negative place. It's not going to give you the results or the vitality, the energy, the meaning, the purpose that you want. So a simple shift is I get to go to work today. And then for you to write down three gratitudes, what are you grateful for in your job? What's good there? I get a paycheck. I'm learning. I'm seeing what I don't want. (laughs) Whatever it is, every day, three different gratitudes will completely shift you. So no matter where you are on the totem pole, if you would like more of this in your own company, then put some of these thoughts together, go into your HR department and pitch it to them. Say to them, hey, I listened to this podcast. I've been learning about well-being. Here's an initiative I'd love to participate in. Or just bring it to your team. Suggest, hey, let's start with wins. Or just be the person who starts sending gratitude, thank you, and appreciation throughout the company. People will notice. If you just start being any one of these changes, you suggest to three colleagues, let's take a walk at lunch instead of going to have burger and fries. Then you are being a change leader. You are stepping up and you are making an impact on others. You don't need the title. There are so many ways for you to be a change leader. And if you want and you want to tell people about me, I'm happy to come into your company and do a keynote, do a workshop, do multiple workshops, do an engagement. There are so many ways. So the opportunity for you, the purpose power tips here are number one for you to really assess how you feel about your own work. And be honest with yourself. And then say, and what can I do? Which one of these can I implement? Two is to look at this PermaV wheel. And I gave you a number of purpose power tips, starting off meetings. And by the way, you could start off family dinners this way too, with wins, with what's good. You could be somebody who spreads gratitude. You could get to know your own strengths and bring them. Suggest to your team that you do strengths. Identify your own purpose. And how can you bring that? So use any of the things that we've been talking about and bring that into where you are. And if they don't want it, find somewhere that does. I've been talking to a company recently about doing a women's leadership program because we know specifically that women lack confidence. Women are not asking for the promotion. Women are not asking for more. Women are not even sharing their ideas in meetings. Does that ever resonate with you? And then some man just starts sharing his ideas and you're like, hey, I had thought of that or that idea is ridiculous and mine is better, but you're still not speaking up. And so I've actually developed a women's leadership program for up to 15 women in a company to go through a process, getting so clear 
on your vision, your goals, your desires. And then learning confidence, learning your own strengths and what it is that you should be confident in yourself in. And then three, learning courage, speaking up, getting support, getting coaching on how to actually bring that forward. Identifying your core, which are actual feminine strengths, the feminine strengths of intuition, of creativity. And then the last is creation, that by the end of this program, each woman creates something. So she creates a project that she pitches within the company. She creates a new sales deck. She creates something that is really going to elevate the business. And it's a huge opportunity because we know that women are the biggest untapped resource in the world. The economy would tremendously increase. Sales would increase. Research shows that companies with more women in their leadership are more innovative, are more productive. Why? Because honestly, a lot of these quote unquote soft skills are ingrained in the feminine, right? Connection, compassion. And so that's a huge program I'm super excited about and I could bring to any of your companies or bring elements of it. That's why I'm already talking to two companies about being their keynote speaker for International Women's Day, which is coming up in March, every March. Because these are huge opportunities for us to really bring our strengths, for us to bring our voice, for us to rock it out in our own careers and for the company to rock it out. So this is our opportunity, Purpose Girls. The world is waiting for us. And we are in charge. Remember, the two most powerful words in the universe are I choose. So do you choose to sit back and say there's nothing you can do about it? Or do you choose to step forward and be a change leader? And I know if you're listening to the Purpose Girl podcast, then you are choosing to be a change leader. And I can't wait to hear from you which of these ideas you implement or hear from you if you want me to come and show you or your team or anybody how to do it. You know I am super happy to do that, super excited about it. So as we close out, I want you to make an I choose statement. What are you going to choose to do? at work to implement any one of these. I choose to be a gratitude giver. I choose to know my strengths and bring them. I choose to talk to HR about creating a whole PermaV program. I choose. What is your I choose statement? Let's make this tangible and something that you can do this week. Because my friends, we are changing the world one woman at a time, starting with you, starting with me and everybody that we touch. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Purpose Girl podcast. If you did, remember, hop on over to Apple Podcasts, leave your five-star review, one sentence. It literally takes 60 seconds. Also, remember to get your happiness habits. This episode was brought to you by Happiness Habits. It is the course for positive psychology for women. It is self-study. You can do it in your jammies. You will learn self-love, how to pursue your dreams, how to make these tools we're talking about a habit. You just go to purposegirl.com forward slash habits. And of course, the most important thing you can do is to share the Purpose Girl podcast with every woman you know. It's to send this episode to everyone within your company. Send this episode to people you know who are in companies and need more support. Send the Purpose Girl podcast to your moms, your sisters, your friends, everyone. If you're not yet in the Purpose Girls Facebook group, what are you waiting for? We are 1900 strong and growing Every day we post journal prompts, ideas for you, ways to connect and to live your purpose and become your happiest self. You also can follow me on Instagram at Karen Rockhind or Facebook at Coach Karen Rockhind. I answer all my own direct messages. So please send me messages. I love hearing from you. If you're not yet getting my newsletter, I'm going to be stepping it up and sending you a video every week. It's something that my team and I are planning. So you want to make sure that you are getting that and you go over to PurposeGirl.com and sign up right on the homepage to get the newsletter and your Living on Purpose guide. As always, may you live purposefully, may you love yourself, and may you love life. Bye for now.